Thanks for joining us here on Yahoo Finance Presents. Today, James D. White, who is an author, board director, and former CEO of Jamba Juice, joins us to discuss his latest book, Anti-Racist Leadership, How to Transform Corporate Culture in a Race-Conscious World, written in partnership as well with James's daughter, Krista White. James, great to have you here with us today, and thanks so much for taking the time. Brett, thanks for having me on. And today is actually the launch date of the book. So we are uh, doubly excited to be on with you this uh, today. Certainly. So let's talk a little bit about the book. I mean, you've got so much experience and I want to get into that background in a moment. But what was really the timing of this book, the importance around getting it out right now? I think the driver for the book is uh, about three years ago, I was working on a project with one of the boards that I sat on and I happened to invite my daughter into uh, the project. She's a writer and researcher. And as we got involved with, and this was a DEI related project, as we engaged around this project, we found a, a, you know, kind of a shared passion. And then we did a couple of other projects. And then we looked at each other and said, you know, Wild Dad, with your experience as board member and CEO and my passion as a millennial for this work, there is maybe a story to be told that, uh, you know, from a vantage point that hasn't yet to be told around this work that could have impact. Uh, so we started in earnest uh, going into 2020 around this work. And obviously the combination of the pandemic and the uh, global racial reckoning kind of triggered by the murder of George Floyd uh, further cemented uh, the, the work that we had started on this book project. We ended up later that year uh, landing our book deal and uh, the rest is history, as they say. Certainly. So when we think about your own history, your work experiences that have now been fused together to offer some collective insights within this particular body of work that you've been able to author and co-author with your daughter, when you think about those roles, CEO of Jamba Juice in your past, you've also worked with Gillette and I mean, the list goes on here, but within each of those different positions, the things that you took away from the corporate construct and how boards and how C-suites need to change to be more, more ready for the environment that we are in right now. I think the, 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 the biggest takeaway uh, that we try to provide in the book is we, we walk in my shoes over 30 years as a black leader, black executive that has had success both in the boardroom and the C-suite. And we walk through the challenges that are unique that maybe others don't think about. We also, as a part of the project, interviewed two dozen other leaders, including CEOs, um, C-suite executives, and HR uh, and DEI professionals, and try to bring uh, really actionable ways for people to think about uh, this work. When you think about not just the work that is, is certainly held on the shoulders of so many men and women of color who were in the corporate constructs and in the boardrooms or trying to get into some of those C-suite rooms as well. It's also the rest of the people in those organizations. Where have you been able to find success in making sure that organizations understand in everybody coming together, whether it's for rights for people of color, whether it's for rights for LGBTQ plus and the community uh, of disabled as well? I think the, the, the main thing that, that we try to do with the book, and if you don't mind, uh, one of the things that I often do is I read the first paragraph of the book, and this really cements the 
uh, influence of my daughter on the book. So the introduction of the book starts with why old business leaders need to be anti-racist leaders in the first uh, chapter of the book. This book is not apolitical. This book is explicitly anti-racist, pro-black, pro-LGBTQ+, and feminist. This book takes the stance that Black Lives Matter, that LGBTQ+, IA+, rights, or human rights, that people of all abilities deserve respect and access, and that people of all genders have the right to sovereignty over their bodies and identities. This book acknowledges that capitalism is built on the foundation of systemic racism, and that we have a truly, and, and to have a truly diverse, equitable, and inclusive work environment, we must acknowledge the historic and present injustices faced by marginalized people. And I make that point to really underscore the, um, this next generation um, in the workforce. And my daughter was really insistent. She came to me, and this was right around uh, the, the time of the, the murder of George Floyd. And she said, dad, I've got a different way to start the book. Hmm. And uh, these are literally her words from, you know, June of uh, 2020 uh, to start this book. And it really just changed the course of the book. Uh, we, we obviously had a, a, a team with us kind of reviewing the book and I'll give just one antidote. One of the people on the team uh, so James, you're a uh, you're a mainstream leader. Do you care if you ever work again? When I when I read that chapter from Krista, but Krista really understood the moment where we've got consumers, uh, we've got a next generation of employees that are going to hold all leaders accountable. So this won't be optional. That leaders really get this work, and we have examples uh, like this really throughout the book. Um, that we think will, uh, you know, help leaders uh, be whether allies or their people of color uh, in uh, various organizations. We think we uh, give how tos and you know, kind of action steps for folks to build more inclusive work environments. And we're witnessing those points where leaders do realize that they need to not only represent themselves but represent the company, the consortium of both customers as well as those internally that work to make the vision happen on a day in day out basis. And if they do say something that goes against what that body of people believe, then they will be held accountable for it. And so what do you kind of advise to, because you're, you're in a much different circle than many of us, what do you tell some of those leaders in order to make sure that they are authentic, that they are hearing not just their employees, but also their customer base as well, and ensuring that the direction that they are giving from, from their lips to the ears of those internal workers and those external um, buyers of their product and service, that they are actually words that are authentic and words that other people can believe in at the end of the day. I think I'd make a, a, a couple of points. First, I'd start with the broader way that we think about the work, the CEO, the, the comment that we make, is she can't delegate this work of you know building an inclusive environment or any of the work around any of the social related issues because it's so inextricably linked to culture and you'd never delegate culture. So that's the first point. So the CEO really has to own this work, guide this work inside the, the, the corporation. And I think importantly, 
as we think about the future of work, we've got employees that are going to hold us all accountable uh, for this work. And one of the things that we focus on in the book is that this capability around empathy. That's mm. one of the things that my daughter Krista honed in on. She heard me talk a lot about empathy. Um, and one of her questions as we interview people is, can you develop empathy? So we spend a bit of time uh, focusing on empathy as a capability. And what we hope people will do is translate empathy uh, into compassion and, and ultimately into some action. Uh, and the, the place to start, you know, for most leaders is where you are, whatever your lived experience, mm. uh, start there. And I think we hope that all leaders will take themselves on a, a learning journey with their respective organizations. Unlike many topics where the CEO is expected to have most, if not all of the answers, this is a topic uh, as it relates to people and creating a more inclusive culture that's gonna be ever changing. Uh, and we've just gotta take ourselves on a journey. I believe that leaders need to listen more than they talk uh, and really open themselves up to learning uh, because all their key stakeholders from consumers to employees to even investors as we think about what's happening in the boardroom uh, with all the discussion around ESG uh, and the S in the in ESG, the social issues are, are really taking front and center uh, in, in the business uh, world today. I would love to get your perspective on some of the measures, the listing requirements that have even been put forward by some U.S. exchanges to make sure that there is board diversity, that there is representation, because there is data that shows that companies that are more diverse, whether gender diverse, whether ethnically diverse, they do better, especially within the upper ranks, if you are seeing that diversity lead into the different products and services and the decision making that goes forward. I'm uh, typically not a, a, a proponent of, you know, having legal measures to drive uh, the change. But if you look at the lack of progress and the lack of change in the boardroom uh, and, and you looked at, at the uh, diversity requirements in the boardroom in California and the significant progress that has happened uh, over the last two or three years, it's kind of hard to argue with. Um, and. I, I believe that we're going to need a combination of more thoughtful corporations that work in their own best interests. Uh, the, the more diverse voices and experiences that you have in that boardroom, you're ultimately going to solve problems better. And that's going to trickle into the policies and governance of the corporation and going to create more inclusive and more diverse corporations. And we actually hope this book will be a catalyst for starting some of those discussions in a more constructive uh, fashion. I've spent, you know, really most of the last decade uh, personally working on diversity in the, in the boardroom. I founded a nonprofit, Directors Academy, where we work on the next generation of diverse leaders in the boardroom and have, you know, had over a hundred uh, folks that have come through our training uh, to launch their board uh, careers. And we're hopeful uh, with the progress that we've seen uh, over the last four or five years, but importantly, over the last two years, there's significant movement uh, of diversity in the boardroom, first on a gender basis, and we're starting to see uh, an increase in Black directors over the course of the last couple of years. One of the other organizations uh, that I advise is uh, Black women on boards. 
uh, and they've built really significant uh, momentum really across that group as well. James, just lastly, while I have you, because we've talked so much about leadership in today's era, we're going to be entering an era of a different type of work where you've got this hybrid of in office as well as remote and perhaps more so outsized on the remote side than we had seen definitely before the pandemic. And so with that in mind, I've, as you perhaps have heard, I've heard at least from some of my friends that there are CEOs, there are leaders that want to get people back to the office, um, but are doing so in a manner that sounds like they're unable to manage them remotely. I wonder, as a person who has run a company before, as a person who's seen productivity, both in a hybrid fashion, in a virtual setting, and, and even in person, you know, where leaders today can best position their organizations to still attain productivity and, and even scale up at the same time, while also understanding and gleaning from some of the insights that we've learned about where people can be productive right now. I actually believe this, this hybrid uh, work that we're moving towards and the more uh, uh, virtual work is actually an enabler uh, to create more diversity inside of corporations. There are many, you know, when, when you can live anywhere and execute your work, it actually takes away the excuse of not being able to build a diverse team that brings different views geographically and ethnically to the table. And I think the best leaders are gonna to need to uh, figure out the, the tools and the processes and the structures uh, to enable uh, work from anywhere. Um, and it's just, it's gonna to need to be a capability because uh, again, much like the diversity issue uh, that this next generation of workers is demanding, uh, they're also demanding to have more flexible work environments that really meet their needs. New book, Hot Off the Press, Anti-Racist Leadership, How to Transform Corporate Culture in a Race-Conscious World. Author, board director, and former CEO Jamba Juice, uh, of Jamba Juice, James D. White, joining us here today. Thank you so much for the time and the conversation, James. Really appreciate it. Brett, thank it. you. Grateful for taking the time. Absolutely.